Hello and welcome to Dragon's Demise, the podcast about what happens on, around, and behind the tabletop. Today I'm joined by Greg. Hey everybody. And we will be talking about, well, swamps. Yeah, you know. everybody loves them. Yeah, at least according to Rec. Right. Uh, and we'll do a little bit of a deep dive into like the unusual things that you can do with swamps, the things that people don't usually think about. And I do want to clarify, we mean swamps as a setting for role-playing. Not yeah. like, we're not going to be advocating for actual people going out to actual swamps because that's how you get eaten by crocodiles and we don't need that in our conscience crocodiles leeches other such things that you you don't really want to uh do that too much to yourself exactly strictly keep it at the tabletop kids exactly but in terms of tabletop they're a lot of fun yes but before we dive into that let's go ahead and talk about what we've been playing yeah so we i'm gonna start with something that might make you a little grumpy uh, we actually just finished up a game called Aristea, which yeah. was sent to us by a friend of ours, a viewer, sort of a regular viewer on our show. And it was amazing of him to, to send us this game. And it's really interesting. Uh, it's basically the premise is there's like a combat sport league mm-hmm. and two teams of four are competing in a hexagonal arena to accomplish some objectives so the scenario that we played it was um earning the most points by sort of maintaining control of a specific zone at the end of each round but there's also like traditional capture the flag or kind of a more organized rotating uh, objective control but there's also just a lot of like trying to knock out your opponents so definitely an interesting premise but i think we had a few issues with the execution jacob take it away yeah, so by the end of this game, I was uh, probably the saltiest that I've been in a long time with any board games. I don't know about that, but you were pretty salty. And it, like, I don't know, it felt like there were a lot of really cool ideas. I, I like the ideas behind it, like that you're supposed to like, move around. But one of the basics of the game seems to have been like tactical movement and getting to the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. And for a game that's so focused on that, you had very limited movement. Right. And like a lot of it was just like you could you would either have to choose to get to where you needed to go on your turn or do something else or any of your other abilities. And it was one of those like either or if I wanted to get into the space that I that I needed to be to capture like this area to get any points, I had to just use my entire movement for that or my entire action for that because it costs two energy to uh, to activate your movement and then you have a limited amount of movement and you have five energy per turn. So if you want to do, let's say, a double move, you have to, you know, use four of your five energy and there are like no, or there are very few abilities that cost one. Mm-hmm. Not even the basic attack costs one uh, energy. Yeah. And so it's like, that's your entire turn. That's all you're doing. You're just moving. You don't get anything else unless you have some special tactics card that allows you to do something. And all in all, it's just like, it felt like it was well outpaced. And like the teams that we got from the tutorial were completely unbalanced where Greg had a team that was solely pretty much ranged except for one dude. Yeah, almost exclusively. It was three rangers and a tank. Yeah. And then I had only one person who was at range and everyone else was melee 
And even then, like, all of my melee specialists, none of them could do anything to your tank because he just uh, had, like, abilities that were like, oh, I'm going to stand next to you to prevent you from moving as easily. Boom. Like, well, unless you have this specific kind of die, you can't even prevent me from moving. Mm-hmm. Or, like, you know, if if I wanted to try to attack you, oh, you automatically already had one shield where, like, most of the time, like, that, that prevents one damage. And, like, the health was up to five. So that's, like, you know, that's already like a large chunk of like damage prevention even if like every, you were to roll nothing mm-hmm. and so all these different things like you know that the teams were unbalanced it just wasn't working i really did not enjoy it <laughs> yeah i i mean i won that game so i enjoyed it a little better and i also think i had less i i mean i was playing the team that i felt like had the stronger tactical capabilities so maybe that had something to do with it and i know in future uh, games it's more there's more of a, a back and forth you almost i i didn't actually read the rules but i imagine it's you draft your team mm-hmm. from the available champions so you have a little bit more of a chance to create something that's balanced create something even if it's not balanced that you are interested in playing tactically but in this i certainly had what i felt like was a leg up and also one of the things that i think really just sort of sucked a lot of the enjoyment out of it for you was this almost snowballing like win more ability which is so you draw additional tactics cards which you don't you're not required to play tactics cards in order to perform actions but you just they give you extra stuff they they modify your uh, abilities or they increase your ability to defend or you know sometimes they have unique effects in their own right but generally they're advantageous to have so you know you you get an extra one of those every time you kill an enemy and you get an extra one of those at the end of the turn if you earned points in that round and only it's much more likely that only one player earns points than that both players earn points so you know the fact that i was able to on turn one win the you know get points that round draw an extra card early on turn two take out one of your characters draw another card from that meant that i was just able to control the entire mid game because you know you would set yourself up well to do something and normally i wouldn't be able to respond except whoops i had this tactics card that i had just drawn that enabled me to do some bullshit and deny you points Mm -hmm. while getting myself points thus getting me more tactics cards like it was just very it was it it was an acceleration mechanism i felt like for me that you were never able to plug into because i just ran the table exactly um but i mean i think it has potential uh i'm not usually one for the sort of tactical combat Mm-hmm. type of game but i thought this was reasonably fast paced which i enjoyed um i think having more balanced teams would go a long way towards making it feel more balanced for both players um, yeah and i do also think that given the particular scenario i think there's a chance there's an opportunity there for some of those tactical considerations around okay do i am i willing to sort of sacrifice this opportunity cost in order to make a double movement and secure some points maybe because i'm able to sort of better deploy the remainder of my roster and i think this it's not just individual tactics but also squad based tactics Mm -hmm. where i think the game could conceivably really shine um interesting i'd probably be willing to give it one more shot and sort of see how it goes with the more balanced teams but overall i think kind of apprehensive yeah i I'll give it another shot, but I'm very much on the uh, on the back foot right now. So yeah, uh, in slightly happier uh, news, I was able to play Spirit Island recently. I played Spirit Island with Meg. 
uh, we play, let's see, I played Sharp Fangs Hide Behind Leaves, she played Shadows Flicker Like Flame, and we just demolished. It was great. <laughs> it was so much fun. There was, uh, we got so close. There was a period of time round about the mid-game where the only invader on the entire board was a single town. <laughs> and we hadn't actually moved into Terra Level 3 yet, so we um, sadly didn't win right there, and we weren't able to immediately destroy it and win by having zero invaders anywhere on the board. Uh, but it did feel pretty good. <laughs> I can imagine, yeah, that, yeah. That's always fun. Yeah. So I, I continue to love Spirit Island. I was commenting to Jacob before we started recording that we are long overdue for a review, and trust us, it's coming. We just have to get all of us in a room together because there's no way we're going to do it without Leslie. So... Um, mm-hmm. Be on the lookout for that in the coming weeks. I'm going to do my damnedest uh, to get you all a review of Spirit Island. For sure. And then we also got to play last week on stream, Cash and Guns. Mm-hmm. And that's a game that uh, I haven't brought to table in a long time, but it's always interesting to uh, sit around and point your foam guns at other people. Yeah, I I hadn't played it in probably three years, and I enjoyed it a lot more than I remembered. Uh, yeah. I don't know if it was maybe different people that I was playing with, or we were playing with the, um, I forget the name of it, but we were playing with the expansion, which yeah. adds a couple of things. Maybe it was that, uh, but I definitely enjoyed myself a lot more than I remember the last time I played this game. Which is surprising, because you got eliminated in the third round. Yeah, well that was my own fault though. I didn't have to feel salty about it, because it was it was a legitimate tactical error on my part, and I was just stupid. It happens. So, it happens. Yeah. But yeah, Cash and Guns was very fun. And we got to play that with some new people at the table too. Yeah. Which was interesting. Yeah, it was um, fun. We had, we had some new guests on, on the, the stream, which was a lot of fun. Yeah. I suppose I, I say interesting. Like, yes, my clinical specimens. No, like it's just <laughs> cool to meet new people and, and have uh, board games bring people together. So, um, but yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was a great time last week. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and you left because you were, you were going to do some other things, but uh, we actually got to play some Between Two Cities Capitals after after you right. left. Right, very jealous. Uh, and yeah, it just con- so it continues to confirm that I really enjoy the game. Mm-hmm. Capitals add some really fun stuff. Um, I completely got my ass handed to me, um, <laughs> but you know that's what happens when I teach board games. And yeah, in general, it was it was a lot of fun. We had some very, very different cities in each each one, so uh, it was it was cool. Uh, I enjoyed it. The mechanics still hold up. Like all uh, the uh, through about half of the game, I like wasn't sure if people were actually getting it, <laughs> but I think by the end, people like got it and were actually starting to get get things right. And um, I think it's that kind of thing where we talked about it during our review, but it's the kind of game that on your second playthrough is mm-hmm. when you really start like going through and like yeah. understanding what's going on. And the same thing with capitals, like if you're talking about base game or, or capitals, you're fine. Uh, it's the same thing. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, there you go. That is a look at what we've been playing lately. Welcome. Welcome everyone to the swamp. And today we are talking about pretty much mostly in terms of Dungeons and Dragons. It's true. The, we're we're very Dungeons and Dragons centric. Exactly. I have that's the the kind of things that I have the most books on, and I like other systems, 
but it's just the one I know the most. So in terms of fan, high fantasy storytelling, I usually default to Dungeons and Dragons. Right. So when we give you an episode like this, where we talk about how to use a certain setting in a different way, we tend to like go back to Dungeons and Dragons and the types of monsters there. But this is, of course, something that like you could use similar things in any setting. Right. Uh, this is just the mechanics that we are talking about. Exactly. So the point of this uh, today's episode is really to talk about how a setting is not always used to its full potential when you have when you just go with the cliche adventures that happen there. Exactly. So we want to highlight some some different things that you use can see in the swamps, uh, some different things that you might encounter that you might not normally see in um, Dungeons and Dragons, for example. So, you know, when you're in a swamp, normally, uh, when you have an adventure in a swamp, you're going for, you know, a short, like, foray into the swamp and you're going there to beat up some hags or some trolls or something like that. And, you know, they're, they're cool, they're good and all, but that's just, like, what you see so often that it can almost be overdone. But something that you don't see as often is an actual town in the middle of a swamp. Right. So, you know, you've got your players, sort of the stereotypical thing is like, oh, there's a swamp some distance away and there's a a danger there that's threatening us. Well, why not bring the town into the swamp? And then you've got dangers all around. Yeah. You know, you've got sort of the trappings of civilization like you would find, you know, know, at a low level, but even all the way into maybe the mid level, sort of a a smallish town, maybe a trading hub. But rather than have almost a barrier of farmland, of civilization, you've got this encroaching, not even wilderness, just like fetid swampland that's right there, you know, knocking down the doors. And it, it raises all sorts of interesting questions from an encounter standpoint. You know, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about plenty of sort of underutilized or unique monsters, but also from like a lore perspective. So what is this city doing here? You know, towns, cities, they're a dime a dozen in your standard fantasy settings, coastal ports and major mm-hmm. trading hubs and all that. But, you know, swamps aren't very appealing. Why is it here? What sort of resources are there? What sort of, of people settled here? Kind of gives you an opportunity to explore some sides of world building in the in the narrative sort of NPC-driven sense that don't get touched on maybe often. Exactly. So... Why would a town be in a swamp? Well, the swamp, as much as it is a dangerous place, also has some very valuable resources. You first off, you have pitch. And so that is something that is used in a lot of different places. And like, you know, it's just needed. And so there has to be some way to extract it from like the peaty moss and like uh, like muck that is in the bog. Right. And I mean, you've got tons of applications for this from torches to siege equipment to even just masonry. Mm-hmm. Um, there are plenty of reasons why, you know, from sort of a strategic resource perspective, a kingdom or even an individual, like an enterprising uh, person would found a city in a swamp. Exactly. And then you also have the, the other things, the natural resources that are, like, you know, the herbs and the, uh, you know, the, these other like rare plants that you wouldn't find anywhere else that you're able to find in the swamp. And this is why, like, you'll find things like druids and the hags who are able to, like, brew their different potions and that kind of stuff. It's because of all these. And so having that town be able to access those types of 
goods and that trade and those types of things, like that could still be a very relatively wealthy town in terms of just the resources that are coming in and out. That's a very important trading hub, even if it is in the middle of a swamp. It, of course, comes with its fair share of dangers. Oh, absolutely. One of the really cool things that you can do with a town in the swamp is actually put the danger right on the border and like the edge of the perception of the townspeople. And there are some really interesting monsters that you can do this with. And one of my favorites that I've been looking at recently has been the measle. And yes, it's also the name of a disease, but in this way, <laughs> it's a little bit different. Uh, it's Even still pretty bad. more intimidating. Yeah, it can still kill you. Right. So, so and it, it can counts. still like go from like one person to another and kill multiple people. But the measle is a shadow-aligned creature that is able to like jump through pools of shadow between them and like one of its actual weapons is a garrot. So it's there to pretty much just like, you know, jump into a shadow uh, in front of you and pop up behind you and just like, you know, take you out immediately. Straight murdered. And just it, it has a tactic that's like divide and conquer and it just tries to like, you know, separate the, the players from each other so that it has like this kind of, you know, everyone's like looking like what, what's going on? Where is this thing coming up from? Where, like who's there kind mm-hmm. of thing. And um, they're also very territorial. So they, if you step foot on any part of their land, they can get really, they'll want to kill you. And this can be really interesting when you have, let's say, a, a mother disappear when she went into the forest looking for herbs or mushrooms or something like that. And it's just like, I wonder where she went. You go in that same direction. Oh, there's a measle. And now you have to deal with this. Right. There are aspects of the frontier that are inherent in swamps, I feel. Sort of unexplored, inherently almost unexplorable. Yeah. You know, because of sort of this constantly shifting terrain, you know, the the level of the water rises and falls, patches of land that were once there are are sunken that disappear. It's it's very difficult to know. Mm-hmm. And knowing is very comforting for humans. So there's something about the environment of a swamp that just lends itself very well to almost like an atmospheric horror type yeah. situation. And a lot of the monsters that you can play with play on that. So measles are one. Mean locks are another. Uh, they're evil fae. Mm-hmm. They're extremely sinister, you know, well beyond sort of the mischief that people normally associate with you know, pixies or even grigs. They have sort of telepathic abilities that they can you know at the lowest level play with your perception they can put hallucinations at the corners of your vision but at the highest levels they can actually sort of rend your mind with this telepathic power that they have and this this you know this idea that your perception can play tricks on you is very fundamental i feel like to the swamp i mean you think about one of the most iconic aspects of a swamp the the will-o'-wisps sort of the yeah. the flightnings uh, and just this idea that you will be led astray by the environment if you let it so you know being able to play with that i think is really one of the fun aspects of a swamp that you almost don't get anywhere else you know certainly you can do something with sort of a dark and sinister forest but even then you know swamps just have there's some some uniqueness to them and certainly in the types of monsters that you can you can find, mm-hmm. which I think then really shines in sort of another way that you can utilize swamps, which is having your PCs become lost. 
Yeah, and I think that uh, especially for a mid-level group, this would be a really, really good type of like arc of them being lost in a swamp. Uh, because this allows you to play with a lot of different kinds of things. So first off, swamps are very treacherous in just how you can traverse them. And if you don't have a guide, it's very difficult and you can get stuck, you can get lost, you can step in something that will try to eat you or grab you or just pull you in in general because it's quicksand or something right. like that. And so all of these different kinds of things can be very, very interesting. And you can also play with the seasons here, which is fun. Um, you have, in general, like most times you would think that your PCs would be traveling in, let's say, spring, summer, or fall. Like, you know, late spring, early summer, uh, mid-fall. You don't usually go out during the winter. But it's almost better to be in a swamp during the winter because the water freezes over. And uh, you, the land is not as treacherous, whereas during the spring, especially when the thaws come out and like everything melts, everything is muddy, boggy, and like you know the the rains come back and all that kind of stuff. And so that can be almost like this like trick, even like, mm -hmm. where the PCs go in. It's like you you mentioned that it's like you know early spring or something like that, and the rains have just gone, and you're going into this area, and then you get lost in like this really boggy swamp. Uh, and while you're there, you encounter something like like a frog emeth <laughs> or something like that, where it's just like this giant frog-like creatures with tentacles and like a, a tongue that can like lash out and grab you and pretty much eat you. And all this being like worshipped by bullywogs that are in the area, uh, these little frog-like uh, people that are there and... and you're lost in the middle of the swamp. You don't know what's going on. Your ranger can't find the food as consistently anymore because, well, it's so treacherous just to even find footing. What more something that isn't poisonous. Mm -hmm. um, that it, it can be a very, very big challenge on their resources. And this could also be an interesting place to play with actually making character weight matter. Because normally on a road, you are you're fine. Like it doesn't matter. Like, you're on dirt road. You're on a you're on a paved road. Whatever it is. But if you're walking through a bog or a swamp, if you have too much stuff, yeah. you might be much more likely to sink in, and it might actually make the terrain uh, more treacherous. Right. If you're wearing full plate mail, you probably don't want to be trudging through you know ground that's going to give from under you with too much weight. Exactly, exactly. Or like, you know, uh, all these different types of things can, can really come into play when you're, when you're, uh, uh, when you're running this with, with different kinds of players. Yeah, exactly. Swamps are a really fascinating opportunity to play with a combination of factors that are just sort of disorienting in very mundane ways. So, you know, you've got the effects of seasons are maybe not quite what you would expect. You've got fog banks that can sort of just mm -hmm. sort of permeate. Maybe I suppose it's mist in that context, but you know that can can disorient travelers. Food is harder to come by. It's more difficult. The ground gives way from under you, and you take all these things. The, the that food are, attacks back a lot more than <laughs> usual. <laughs> yeah, yeah, more than usual, which is you know hopefully nothing. But so you've got all these things that are disorienting, but at the core of it, mundane. Mm -hmm. And then you combine that with something that's almost, you know, Lovecraftian. You know, you've got a, a frog hemoth or an obelix, which is like this this memory-eating ooze that was created by mind flayers, which is just, you know, horrifying to think about. And, you know, you can just encounter one of those oozing along the, 
the forest floor while you're trying to find berries that aren't going to kill you so you know it's this very accidentally step in one of them right because it just looked like an ooze (laughs) yeah like it just looked like a puddle of sort of inky black swamp water so you know you've got this fascinating confluence of the mundane and the macabre all of which can kill you Uh, so it's a really good opportunity to explore some of those things yeah, and I one of I think one of the other creatures that we we really that spoke to us when we were looking looking up stuff for this episode was the spectral troll. Yeah, which was just like you know th- this can be a scenario of someone sent out a um, a group of adventurers before you to go ahead and kill this troll, and they did, but, but now around. it's still there, and it's now a spectral troll. Which is going to spectrally kick your ass. Yeah, mistakes were made with that one. And it's just like something that you wouldn't expect. And like you, you could just imagine this like this white like spectral troll like moving through the mists. Yeah. As like you know you 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 don't notice it as the fog banks roll in, and then all of a sudden you hit something. You look up and it's like <laughs> a troll holding a club above your head, but it's like semi invulnerable yeah don't don't use psychic damage to kill trolls just you want to avoid a spirit troll situation altogether it's bad news bears exactly um but then at a certain point like yeah okay whatever it's monster of the week like your players get to be high enough level and they can just you know they're dispatching stuff left and right but that's where at least in D, one of the really interesting aspects of the swamp comes into play which is its very strong connection with Shadowfell. Yeah, uh, the plane of shadow. So consistently, in terms of uh, some of the ways that it's described, in terms of a lot of the monsters that are present, you know, measles we mentioned previously are, uh, you know, created by shadow energy, and this same energy also creates some of the most powerful, some of the most intimidating creatures in the bestiary, which is, you know, among other things, the Nightwalker. Mm-hmm. which is just a fantastic enemy, and to be able to sort of take this unnatural shadow and to be able to just manifest it into the world in the form of a 20 foot tall behemoth that can like kill you by looking at you that's yeah. awesome it is it's pretty awesome and and it's interesting because like the the night walkers are almost even beyond the plane of shadow they go all the way into the negative planes but you can have other creatures like the Nagpa like sitting up in in the swamp and like it's like this deformed creature that used to be this wizard that tried to uh, betray the Raven Queen. And then it like uh, on its last gasp or something like that, it pulls from uh, energy from the negative plane and then it gets replaced by a Nightwalker. And then you have, like, this whole thing. It's like, those Nagpas are already pretty high level Mm -hmm. in general. But you add this extra uh, thing coming on top of it. And it's just like, now you see, like, the Nagpa disappear, go out of of, um, existence. And instead, a tear in reality opens up. And these five-foot-long hands extend and open it, drag it open... As like legs as big as you're, you are tall, like step out as this gangly black creature with horns, like comes out to, um, well, fuck you up. Yeah. I mean, it's literally, you ever seen Night on Bald Mountain? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's literally Chernobog. 
That's yeah. what you're facing right now. Exactly. Um, so, you know, just the, the opportunity to bring out these extraordinarily powerful creatures that have even just sort of an inherent affinity for mm-hmm. this environment is a really fantastic aspect of the swamp, which, you know, you can get there in a couple of different ways. You know, if you maybe you've had them start in this town and maybe they've stayed there the whole time. But also, you know, it doesn't just have to be one and done. You know, you can have them come from somewhere else and maybe, you know, there's room for for some sort of temple complex, you mm-hmm. know, ruins yeah. uh, that are, are sort of lost at the center of this meandering swamp. And then, you know, eventually they they just come forth, they spew forth all of this negative shadow energy. So definitely lots of opportunities there. And, you know, as much as we all love Tolkien-esque fantasy... Yeah. We, get, we get bored sometimes of, you know, noble humans and graceful elves and surly dwarves. Like, we just want to have something that's a little bit different pace. And so maybe, you know, maybe the swamp is it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I highly recommend uh, trying out the swamp as a setting in your next D&D campaign. And I hope that you guys enjoyed our little deep dive into, like, the lesser thought about aspect of um swamp lore and creatures and the like in at least the DD universe uh let us know if you have any other settings that you'd like us to do deep dives on uh i think that this is a lot of fun it's it's fun for us to look up uh, different kinds of monsters and things like that in the lore and like what can be done with them so we'd love to do more of these when we can but for now that's a quick peek about how our minds dove into the swamp Thanks, everybody, for tuning in for a more RPG-focused segment of Dragon's Demise. Hopefully you enjoyed uh, that look at the swamp. Also, don't miss all of our awesome video content from WashingCon. We've got some Jenga interviews. The panel audio should be up over at WashingCon.com. If you missed the convention, check that out. We got you covered. Uh, Besides that, we've also got some great video content coming out this week. We've got Seafall, which we'll be playing on Wednesday. We've got Gloomhaven every Friday as usual. Finally, don't forget to join us next week for another episode of Dragon's Demise.